Thursday, July the 18th in the year of our Lord 2019. And being a rumination Thursday, that means we have with us on the air Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. Uh, was up your way yesterday. I tell you, I left sunny weather, and by the time I got near Springfield, it was pouring down so hard, I had to slow down to 35 miles an hour. Yeah, we we hit the storm, too. I was over at a friend's house. You have a friend? And look, yeah, I have a friend, at oh, least wow. one. Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. And, and there, wait a minute. And their tree came down on top of my SUV. You have got to be kidding. They're not friends of yours. <laughs> Was there much damage? Well, there's a couple of windows knocked out. And oh, no. We're, we're, waiting, we're waiting on the, the tree trimmer to get in there and, and take a look at the, at the damage. Of course, his insurance company says it's an act of God. God caused that, <laughs> that tree to fall down. Which means what? They don't pay for it? Yeah, they don't want to pay for it. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, it'd be a shame if the insurance company building got burned down and it was an act of God. God. Yeah. Well, my insurance company said, don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. Oh, that, that's something. Uh, yeah. I did have to drive from side to side to miss tree limbs that had fallen into the road. And oh, now, I bet. Now I understand why on highways they don't have trees growing along the highway. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was only in but, cities and um, those two-lane roads you got all over Illinois. <laughs> Boy. But, you know, th those things are, are minor considering the, the things that we deal with as pastors. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, and I appreciated what you had sent me, uh, was attitudes towards clergy and religious leadership. And the article mainly had done a poll, and the main statement was, few adults overall consult clergy or other religious leaders when making important decisions in their life. Now, when I read that, I was a little confused. How would you define an important decision where an adult should consult the clergy? Well, I took a look at it, and uh, I found two things lacking in it that, that I think leads to, to the confusion that you're talking about, because I, I, too, was confused by the way that they presented it. And the first thing that was missing is is that at the top of the article, it lumps faith in all religions. You know, we discussed that last week, you know, yes. broadcast, that uh, the Bible describes faith as those who, who believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it does not relate faith to to a non-believer or false religions. And we got uh, this article talks about clergy and religious leaders. So you, you're talking about Shinto priests, Buddhist monks. Uh, Amans from uh, Muslim faith, a whole, whole host of other religions are put into this. So faith is, is something that has no explanation. The second thing that I found out of the article is 
there's nothing about spirituality or salvation. No, those are those are completely off the off the spectrum for for taking a look at it. Now they do say that seventy six percent of Americans who identify with a religion are more likely to believe clergy have a positive impact on society. Right. Now, I found that interesting because the word society is really talking about temporal laws and what's going to be happening in the area of society rather than in the church. So once more, we really don't have a good survey here about Christians who attend church or don't, whether or not they have uh, desires to talk with clergy. But for example, one decision that they almost always talk about, of course, is marriage, because they want to get married, and a clergy has to do the marriage. Another one would be funerals. But uh, well, now, now, just hang on a second. There, marriage came in second on their list. Marriage, divorce, and relationships. What was first? Giving. How much you give, how much you volunteer. The dollar sign, you know. They're saying that that's where they would talk to clergy? Yeah. That was number one in the poll. Huh. In turn. Well, in turn. I don't talk much. I, I don't do stewardship sermons. Well, if you got a good proper law gospel sermon, and I found that to be the case, too, yeah. that you don't have to talk about. That's right. The, the, they have a good sense of what Christ has done for them in their life. And you can't even begin to outgive what, what Christ has done for us. Well, I believe that a lot of times adults don't consult clergy on decisions because they're unaware that they can. When Pastor Kurowski came on board with me, we were co-pastors, we had done a pictorial directory. And during that time, we would have the people come in 15, 20 minutes earlier for their picture. And what Pastor Krauski and I did, we would talk to them about the 20 reasons they should consult a pastor. And, of course, mm. we had the normal ones like marriage and such. But, for example, when they get arrested for a crime, one of their first calls should be to the clergy. Oh, sure. That didn't even make their top ten list here. Oh, well, maybe there's not too many criminals out there taking the survey, <laughs> you know. But uh, look at how many times you and I have been called uh, to a jail or to the police because one of our members uh, were arrested for one reason or another, and we're trying to help them through that situation. And well, you might have been in a, you may have been in a high crime area. I only had that once in my life. Oh, yeah, most of them were members of mine that were living in Illinois that that happened to. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's see There's no getting around you, is there? No, there isn't. <laughs> I think I had one member who was in Illinois. Although here mm. at KFUO and Synod, I'm always surprised to see how many Illinois license plates are in the parking lot. See, they... You, you know a good thing in Missouri, you come and get us Illinois people. Well, you know why is because what is it? You don't pay taxes either on the buying of a car or something. I don't know. But, uh, well, gas tax. Gas tax. Well, that's especially. gone way up. Yeah, I was 
In fact, what surprised me, some of the stations in Missouri have the same amount, $2.77, as they do in Illinois. And you know why? Why? Because of the hurricane down in New Orleans. Oh. It affected the gas. That's what the paper said anyway. So I'm looking forward to going it back down. Although I go to Sam's and still get it for $2.40 a gallon. So that's really good. <laughs> but um, one of the things I've been discovering is when I drive for Uber, and we've talked about this, there are a lot of people who, once you get into a conversation about religion, are more than eager to talk about it. Well, why do you think that is? Are they Christians, non-Christians? What do you? It doesn't matter. I, I think they're interested. Re- remember, behind every unbeliever is a desire to look good in the eyes of others, and they do everything out of self-interest. So if there's a way that they think religion can help them out there, they're going to search for it. But, of course, when they're talking to a Lutheran pastor, they're not getting much help in that area. Uh, well, what, what comes to mind when you say that is, I re, if you remember the story of Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. Right. How they tried, tried to, to get God's attention. Their God's attention. They're gods, right? Yes, and of course, I love Elijah. Well, maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's sleeping right now, you know, so they begin to cut themselves. (laughs) (laughs) And to no avail, which nothing happened. And of course, uh, Elijah uh, sacrificed on the altar with the lambs and the bulls was consumed by fire, including the stones and the water that they had put in there. You know what I was taught at the seminary about that? What's that? Because, you know, they were always trying to show how there is uh, a rational reason for what appears to be a miracle that really isn't. When Elijah was putting that water, they said, no, he was actually putting a form of gasoline on the altar. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yes, that's what I was taught. <laughs> so, I can remember in Sunday, all the way through Sunday school and confirmation, we were taught that it was a miracle that God had created with with that water and everything, consuming it with fire. Yes. Yeah, there was no doubt about that, and that showed the people who the true God truly was. Was, yeah. I believe that after reading this, We as pastors need to make more of a concerted effort to make adults in the congregation aware that we are there to discuss other issues. Like, what other important decisions do you think would be helped by a pastor? I'll I'll tell you one. Where you're going to send your children to college. Yeah, that was uh, three and four on the list. Oh, really? Well, here, if you've yeah. got the list in front of you, kind of go down what the list was. Well, the, the most important, of course, to them was volunteering and charitable giving. Okay. Second was marriage, divorce, and relationships. And then the next two were child rearing and child's education. Then it starts to drop off dramatically to medical, career, family planning, political activity, financial decision. And you know what the last one was? No. 
sex and sexuality. Yeah. One of the things that I was helped by this particular item, they said uh, a lot of them, especially of, of the Republican nature, had positive views towards the role of society and more restrictive views on who should be allowed to become religious leaders than did the mm -hmm. Democrats. Well, I got one statement that in there I think that you, we should take a look at. I mean, it, it was it stood out to me, and that was on the on abortion. And when it comes to church attendance, as those become more pro-abortionist, the, their church attendance decreases. Yes, yeah. The more frequently. And that's because they were saying that uh, the majority of pastors that they look up to are, are very conservative uh, policy positions when it comes to same-sex marriage and abortion access, which means that we're really opposed to it. And well, your, your next point was there. Frequency of church attendance also has a significant impact on attitudes among those with a religious affiliation? Well, of course it has a, a, a in there, but in a wider report that I, I took off of there, yeah. is, is as you take on more secular sort of views or non-Christian views, such as abortion, your church attendance goes down. Yes. Yes, and that's good. Um I'm aware of a congregation in a city where one of the four cities I go to in helping out uh, LCMS congregations where it's a, a woman pastor and she announced to the congregation that she just got married to another lady. Ooh. You are not kidding. And uh, in fact, we were talking to a member from that congregation who was seriously thinking of leaving it and joining the Lutheran Church, so yeah, I know in another city that where they got a woman pastor and people are leaving it and looking for other churches because of that. Yeah, the one thing I notice is that while the majority of adults don't approve of pastors who are pro-abortion or pro-gay, they didn't have that much of a problem with women being pastors, even if they had been divorced. Yeah, well, or, or divorced clergy in general. Yes. Yeah, I, I found that quite interesting, too. Well, why do you think that's an opening for a lot of these people? I believe it's because many of them have been divorced. Uh, yeah, what is it, about 50% of Americans have been divorced. And there's that not that much of a difference between those in the church versus those outside the church. Church, yeah. Yeah. I remember one pastor when when I went to preach, you know, during my seminary career and, and uh, he came back and it was uh three three services that we had to do that Sunday. Uh-huh. And uh he came back after one of them and he said you probably didn't see it in the pew, and he says, I can never figure this out. He says, on one side sat this couple, and on another side sat another couple, and I go, well, well of course, you know, if they're married. He said, 
No, they exchange partners, divorce each other, and marry each other's partner. Boy. Said, I can't can't figure it out. Yeah, how they can even be sitting together at the same church. I think one of the most difficult things that I had was when a divorce was imminent, but one of the partners, either the husband or wife, were not attending church. They were members, mm, yeah. but just away from church. And that was really difficult to keep that marriage together. Well, I know in an instance where a pastor was told that it was it was in the newspaper, it was everywhere, the last person to find out was the pastor. And uh, he was told by his board of elders, don't go interfere because it's over with. He went and talked to the one that filed the divorce and um, had talked to them that person and the person said uh yeah i know you're gonna come and say it because uh you taught our children in confirmation especially that one on not committing adultery and things like that and i said well you know we're supposed to have good thoughts about our our loved one yes i said have you have you worked on your good thoughts well make a long story short i thought thought that the, the pastor thought that he had failed Come to find out, uh, the person said, what do I do, need to do to come back to communion yeah. and get myself back into regular worship? And they're still married today. Yes. Yeah, the one situation I had, and it didn't happen that often, but you've got some men who have mistresses. And what mm. I did, I made an appointment with him and his mistress at her house. Uh, she was Presbyterian, and as I was going through the commandment about adultery, they both came to the recognition that what they were doing was inappropriate, but they didn't love their former partner anymore, and so they didn't see what was wrong with that. Oh, really? And I think that's a big thing that we have, where, as one very liberal pastor said, Pentecost is the day when the Holy Spirit replaces the law of God. So we no longer need to hear the law. We instead listen to the Holy Spirit within us. And that's a real problem in the church where people think because they're Christian, the views that they have within their self are paramount to that of the Bible. Uh. Well, it comes comes down to what we call an ob- objective means, which what's uh, it's what's uh, what's really truth. You know, we look at the Word of God as as being the truth of our life, and, and what God has said to us through Holy Scripture versus what what I, what am I thinking today? Yeah, this um, actually happened to me not that long ago. Uh, I had heard about a a woman who really needed pastoral care. And uh, when I made arrangements through her, one of her relatives to visit with her, she declined to meet with me. Mm. And you can tell that a lot of times that's because of guilt. They see the pastor as one to put out guilt. In fact, how many times have you been told by a member of the congregation you better go visit so-and-so because he's really doing some sin right now. (laughs) And they use the pastor as the one to bring down guilt upon the person. 
Well, I saw him one one instance where a wife was trying to get her husband to come, and he, he says they don't want me there because uh, he says I'm such a horrible sinner, you know, and the church will collapse. And she says, move over, we're all poor, miserable sinners. Exactly. There, there's no one who cannot confess. I'm a poor, miserable sinner deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. That's a great part of the confession that's used in a number of our liturgies. And that's followed by the absolution. Absolution, yes. Which offers the forgiveness of sins to those who are repentant. I made that remark in a Bible class once. You know, I, I made the point that they they seem to confess their sins i a poor miserable sinner with, with such gusto at the beginning of the service and and they did i mean it was loud and boisterous and i said i i just marveled at it and, and the hand came up from from one of the ladies in the back of the room she says that's because we know what's coming next that's a really is, good point in fact, that you Jesus should be him. loud about the confession of your sin because you're recognizing that's the reason he died on the cross. Cross, yeah. And his faith in those gospel promises that he forgives our sins. Yes, there are so many today who are hesitant to repent of their sins because it attacks their ego, it's not in their self-interest, And that's why the Holy Spirit works through the law in order to help a person realize the need for a Savior. And once they realize that and hear the gospel, then they're quite joyous in saying amen after the end of the absolution. Absolution. And don't you find that that many times after you've done a sermon, somebody stops you in the hallway and ask a couple questions here and there, and you know that they're trying to get particular points of the sermon and some clarity in their mind of what's going on. Yeah, um, that's why I've never said, I used to, I say, what did you like about the sermon? Because they would always give a point that I can't even remember saying. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Holy Spirit really working overtime. That's exactly right. Every person has a different cause in their life, a different problem, and the Holy Spirit will take a sermon where it might not relate specifically to that cause, but there's enough of a connection that people see a comfort there when they hear a proper sermon. I was at a a congregation here not long ago and had done the sermon in the service, and after the elder was helping me uh, pack up to leave, and I said, I'm about ready to give up give this up and he said why is that and i said because i said i don't think i'm getting my point across anymore in the sermon he says oh he says i can understand everything you're saying he he started recounting the whole sermon to me yeah you didn't have my experience where a person had the same attitude and said i heard everything you say and here's my 500 hundred dollar check so i can get to heaven I think he misheard the sermon. (laughs) That's not really true, but that was really funny. Yeah. Um, The fact of the matter is, is what this article has shown me is we need to make a better effort to indicate to members of the congregation that we're there to talk over any important decisions in their lives. And you gave a list of them. And the reason we're there to do that, because it does make a difference 
in the future. For example, they may be sending their child to a school that has a really good reputation, but almost all the professors there are pro-evolution and pro-immorality and this sort of thing. And they need to be aware of that as we try and guide them to perhaps one of the Concordias uh, in our own church uh, to go to school. A, a very good point that you bring up. I know of several families that uh, pull their kids out of public schools because of those kind of problems and drive uh, 45 to 50 miles to take them to a Lutheran elementary school, one of our Concordias or, you know, Emmanuel's elementary schools that we have. Well, the church, of which I'm a member of St. Paul's in De Pere, uh, you can drive by there, and there's a huge hole in the ground where they're rebuilding the school in order wow. to meet the expectations of the people who want to come. And that's, I think, where Lutheran churches really have an opportunity to share the message with youngsters. That's right. It's a wonderful thing, blessing that we have with our good uh, Lutheran school teachers. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much. I'll be with you next week again. Yep. And uh, hopefully the car is repaired. The car is what? Repaired. Oh, that's right, with that tree on it. Boy, that's really interesting. What, what did what sin had you? Well, no, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Wes Reinitz. I'm Tom Baker, and we're looking forward to tomorrow's Open Mic Friday, where you can ask any question of a theological nature on your mind, and we'll try to answer it. Till then, God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.